take you back to November of 2019. Much, much better times. My university ad program planned a trip to New York and I took it. One agency that blew me away was RGA. A large LED board wrapped around the office, noise absorbent floors cushioned our steps and cool people were everywhere. One of those cool people was Stephanie Kim, a management supervisor for one of their largest clients. This episode, I reconvene and interview Stephanie and we reminisce of better days, talk her advertising journey, and not only what it takes to break into account management, but how to thrive in it. Stephanie has impressive advertising experience with some large, credible agencies. She talks about her switch from Chicago to New York City, her vision, and the future. This conversation excites me for the future of advertising and agencies themselves. So if you too find it exciting or useful, please give this episode five stars on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Entering Ad for some amazing graphics. This is the Breaking and Entering Podcast. And as usual, I am your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Stephanie Kim, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well, just uh, living a good life in the suburbs. Are you working at home in New York at the moment? Yes, I'm currently working out of my bedroom in Manhattan right now. Nice. Um, Any word on if you guys are going back to the office soon at RGA? So RGA officially announced that we're not going back into the office until probably sometime in 2021. Um, When that is is you know completely unknown but i think everyone is coming from various places from the city and also the surrounding suburbs so that requires you know taking trains public transportation and especially as we get into food season i think everyone just wants this you know the safest option and protect everyone's health um so i'm really really glad that rga has decided to just close their offices until uh you know later in 2021 yeah, and you guys probably are kind of used to it by now. It's a couple months in. I'm sure you guys have adapted pretty well. You guys are talented people. And I want to get in specifically this episode. I, I'm really excited because uh, you are a management supervisor, so an elevated role of an account manager, I'm assuming. Am I correct on that? Correct. Awesome. Uh, you are, you're probably our more senior level account manager uh, guest on this show. So this will be the theme of how to break into account management um, because that's a a field that I'm interested in. A lot of people, when they first learn about advertising, this is the route they want to go. They watch Mad Men. They probably aren't the most creative when it comes to actually drawing stuff or uh, laying stuff out in Adobe. So account management is a great position to learn about. And I want to really get into detail on what makes somebody successful in account management. But before we break that down, this is the Breaking and Entering podcast. So we need to hear about your story. We know that you're at RGA, one of the best agencies to work for, which is Ad Age's Comeback Agency of the Year. But we need to go back to when you were a student first at University of, can you guess it, Illinois. (laughs) I say that because a lot of my guests are from U of I. So what did you study? and why did you choose that area? Yeah. So when I first entered U of I, I actually was not in advertising at all. I was in a completely different program. Um, I decided to pursue art history and lo and behold, greatly influenced by media, sex in the city. And that's what kind of drove that initial interest. I think coming into college, I was also incredibly burnt out from, you know, your high school experience. I think everyone goes through this where you are doing so many different clubs and so many different programs, trying to get into that college of choice. So when you finally get there, it feels like, okay, I've accomplished one thing. I burnt myself out. So I needed a break. So I thought honestly, like that was the easy route to take. Um, But then I quickly found out that like, I was not remotely interested in art curation at all. 
or preservation. It was a lot of history based and like what I started to realize is that my brain is so, so, so active and I wanted to get my hands directly involved in the creative process. So advertising for me was a very, very new idea. I didn't even know that people could be um, in this field. Like for some reason, I think like I thought like commercials just appeared out of magically over thin air. And I didn't realize there were so many different roles and a whole industry dedicated into, um, you know, to advertising. So I think that was around the time when Mad Men actually started coming out. This is like around 2007, 2008. You know, more and more people started watching it. I, of course, being very heavily influenced by media, started watching that too. And that piqued my interest to like, maybe I need to switch because it kind of combined two areas that I started realizing that I was very, very interested in. Uh, one was the creative aspect. How can I still utilize my, like the creative side of my brain and then also the business aspect. So like the, you know, the marketing objectives, making sure that we're hitting the objectives of the business, like how do we further that and growth? I think it hit upon two very distinct things in my head. It wasn't art for art's sake. It was more purpose-driven, um, I guess, like creative projects. So that was the kind of the motivation probably around like my freshman, sophomore year to switch papers. Mm -hmm. So it's never too late to change your mind. You always have the, the freedom and the ability to pivot whenever you want in your life. So I had switched majors probably around the end of my freshman year, going to my sophomore year, dedicating myself to advertising. What was hard, though, is that I kind of started late to the game. So everyone had kind of already built existing friendships and relationships and I was coming at it new. So I wasn't as involved as I would want to be now that I look back on it and my collegiate career in the advertising like community at U of I. But I don't, I think that's a proof point where it's like, you can pivot, you can focus and you can create your own goals and objectives. You don't necessarily have to do what everyone else is doing in order to succeed. So for me, the recipe was like, I want to see what I exactly want to do in, in this field. At that point, I wanted to be an art director. I grew up creating websites, um, sorry, uh, creating websites, designing templates. So I was very, very like proficient at using um, the Photoshop at that time. Nice. So I initially, when I probably had transferred over, I wanted to be an art director. And that's what I focused a lot of my time on, on just honing and refining my design skills and learning everything that I could. I took Peter Sheldon's class at that time, the creative concepts one and two. Um, and then ultimately what ended up happening was, holy shit, portfolio school is so expensive and the conversations that you hear all the time is you need to have a portfolio in order to be accepted into the industry as within the creative field and as someone coming from an immigrant family like college is already expensive enough and to are on another you know one two-year program with additional college debt that just seems like out of the question for me so when i had graduated I had decided to take it upon myself to let's have a taste of the industry, how things work, and ultimately save up so I can go to portfolio school. So ultimately, that is how I ended up in account management, which is hilarious when the creative department finds out that I do have a design background. Um, but I ultimately think like it projected me to a field where I think is a really good balance of two of my strengths. Um, and it's just, you know, sometimes the stars align. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it probably helped you out a lot having that design and that creative background with when you when you decided that you wanted to go account management, okay. having that mindset, the understanding of the process. It's important for every account manager but you going through the motion probably set you apart. Yeah, I think this is a key thing that I really believe sets apart good and great account people. It's it's empathy. Do you understand the process? What they you know what the creative process is like? 
and being able to empathize and like champion that. I think good account people don't necessarily understand that all the time. And that's why I personally think it's, it is best as an account person to try to understand everyone from an emotional sense, but then also get deep, understand what each of the disciplines do. So you can be like the, you know, second best version of that person's role. You want to also be an expert in everything. I, I find that I, the pro understanding the process is so important and I find it difficult sometimes, you know, not having much career experience at all, but I find it difficult having those conversations with creatives because I, I just haven't connected with them. I maybe not, maybe I don't understand the process, but that feedback cycle, it, it's one that takes time. And the longer I feel like you work with somebody or a group of people, the more you can understand them, the more that, that partnership uh, can flourish. So it takes time, but, um, but understanding those processes has to be, you know, it's pivotal as you, as you mentioned. Yeah. And I think like sometimes people put so much pressure on themselves when you are, you know, two weeks into the job, one year into the field, you think in your mind that like somehow you have to become an expert and know everything and know the implications of it. And like, I can tell you right now, the reason why I can have the tough conversations with creatives where I can challenge them, push them or push back on the clients is because of the years of experience mm -hmm. I've had. And I think that's really, really key because you grow with your team, you grow with people and you grow as an individual and you learn about the implications of all the decisions and all the conversations that people have. And you're able to like that just that helps in like the long run of things. So you can't expect like, okay, like I, I have feedback, I'm gonna take it to my creative teams and like for them to be okay with it. Because sometimes as a junior, you don't fully understand the implications. That is something that you grow and you learn. And I think the big thing too is like some people don't grow and learn. Sometimes they did just there. You hear about this all the time where creative creatives complain about um, certain client service individuals who are just feeding what the clients say back to them, not necessarily pushing back. And I think a lot of times it's usually junior people, but then there are certain, you know, more senior client service people who still have the bad tendency of doing that. So I think my key thing is like, it's about growing. You should learn and you should take into like what those creatives say. You should probe as to why you want to understand why. And I think as a junior person, you have the opportunity to ask those questions and those conversations and position it as I want to learn. So in case there are future comments and uh, feedback like this, I can essentially nip that in the bud earlier on rather than taking it to you. Gotcha. So I think that's the two big things. Love that. So it's kind of like, it kind of like when you were saying all this, it's not in my head. I was imagining somebody walking like on a tightrope and the account managers walking down the slack line. And on one side, the weight of the client is pushing. And then on the other side, the weight or the, the voice of the creatives are pushing you on one end. It's that managing that tightrope and that balance between the two, I'm sure. Yeah. And you, like at the end of the day, it is you want to be able to produce the best work possible, mm -hmm. but you also need to manage the client expectations and objectives. Because at the end of the day, if we do something great, but it doesn't meet the objectives of the client, then ultimately we have failed in our assignment. So it's about taking those great ideas and finding ways to like, how to improve them and making sure that we hit those objectives. Yes, yes, goal focused. Um, okay, so you talk about experience and you, these are things that you just have to go through the motion and also be actively participating and learning. So mm -hmm. your first job is probably when you had to experience all this. So tell us about you know graduating from college to getting that first agency job and I believe if you want to talk about it, it's FCB. Yeah. Um, I love FCB has a soft spot in my heart. I am still friends with the majority of the team that I work with uh, back in the day. And it's, it's 
it's a lot of people from like people who are also you know account executives like myself to like people who are directors who i consider friends and mentors to this day mm -hmm. uh, how i ended up at fcb was um kind of a funny story so i i consciously made the decision to graduate a semester early um mm. it was a very hard decision for me because i you know of course like college like u of i is amazing it is the most collegiate like stereotypical college movie experience i feel like and it's just an amazing campus and amazing learning experience and there's a lot of great people my sister at that time was going to a private college institution that was incredibly expensive so to take the financial burden off of my parents i decided to graduate early i had enough credit so i was like why not but then also like i'm competing against in a job market that wasn't as competitive as you know to people who are graduating in the summer and i i made that decision for for those two reasons but then also like i of course did not have internships prior to this because i wasn't in all the ad clubs i wasn't in midnight oil so i was like how do i just make sure that i am seen and i am heard so went to a career fair sometime i think like early fall semester um and i met a woman named courtney who handles um the basically the, the junior pro recruitment program at fcb uh draft fcb at that time and how i met her was she was setting up she just got in and a bunch of things fell and i just like came and i just helped her and i was just like i introduced myself um, but I think the fact that I took time on my day to like help her set up, pick stuff up while there were um, many more people like standing around and not doing much and just waiting for her to be ready. I think that was just a standout moment in her eyes because when I reached out to her a couple of months later, lo and behold, they had just won a telecom business called Cox Communications mm -hmm. and they were building up the team immediately. And she asked me, are you, have you graduated yet? When are you graduating? Cause we're looking for people now. Um, so I ended up meeting uh, her and a bunch of amazing women at FCB. Um, and that really kind of inspired me actually to choose FCB out of all the other agencies I was like talking to, but then also, it was probably the moment where I was like, holy shit, like I want to be in advertising and I kind of want to be in client service because I'm surrounded by all these incredibly intelligent and amazing women in leadership. So that was probably the, the start of my journey into deciding that I wanted to stay in client service versus pursuing um, art direction. I love how you can pinpoint that moment. And that's what I'm looking for in all these uh, interviews, that one moment where you can kind of that flashback where you kind of knew or you you knew that you had something going for you. And that was the moment when you helped her pick up her stuff. As simple as that. Mm -hmm. uh, and nobody else seemed to care. And you did. So love that. So you go in FCB. And I, I can see how you still have passion for that first agency that's your break-in agency mm -hmm. uh, and you, you hear like when we study in college that it's tough to get in and you don't know you know it's based off business the right timing there's a lot of competition so yeah. i get how you can have this reverence for that first job i i will love edelman for just hiring me even in this time of the pandemic like it's just one of those agencies that you'll probably always remember and keep mm -hmm. in touch with so i i appreciate you sharing that um you you go into account management and you had a successful career and still do you've touched upon other agencies as well as fcb and how long did you stay at fcb for so i stayed at fcb probably about a year and a half before i got a, basically a new opportunity to go to two by four in a you know more elevated role gotcha and that's how it works right i mean that that's what i hear about i see that when i interview these people like you there seems to be a two to three year average at at agencies. Is that does that trend apply to your particular career as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, it does. I mean, you look for a variety of different reasons. Like for me, you know, there were a couple of places that I left because I 
I knew how I wanted my career to grow and then also where my weak points are. So for example, there was one agency where I left to go work for a huge CPG client. And I was just like, I want to be able to work somewhere where they have incredible, like high media and production budgets, but then also they were doing a huge strategic shift. And I knew my weak point at that time was having more of a strategic background and have more strategic thought leadership. And I wanted to be sure that I went to a place where they had those thought leaders and be able to learn from them. So I made conscious decisions just like that to like help further my growth of my career from a personal mm-hmm. sense versus like, you know, a title sense. But then of course there are places where I left where it was specifically for the title. I mean, you I mean, this is very rampant in the industry back then. And I think it's we're doing a better job of it now, but like nepotism, you know, favoritism, and then also mm-hmm. like being a person of a color. Just being sometimes um, not weighted or considered because of how I look and who I am in comparison to, you know, someone who just happens to be a white male. Gotcha. Yeah. And then in that case, you definitely want to get out. That's a that's not a culture that you want to stick around in. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you kind of had a vision of your career and you knew and you probably you, you still know where you want to go and what your end goal or whatever that may be how i mean when you got into account management at fcb was it like day one you knew this is where i want to end up how long did that process and that vision take to develop i think it like probably took about a good three six months but really? i i was particularly lucky because I was surrounded by a lot of really great leaders who wanted to teach and mentor me. And I think if it wasn't for that mentorship, I don't I don't think I would have stuck around as long as I did. And maybe I would have done the whole portfolio school thing. But I think that was really probably pivotal for me because like when you are being nurtured by people who want to see you succeed and grow, I think they really I, I really do think that's the recipe and that's probably the why I, I felt so reassured that I wanted to move forward in this path because they made such an impression on me and it made me realize that they just, as a person and as a leader, this was the kind of person that I wanted to become in my career. Now, did they find you or did you find them? And follow up to that, were these people that you wanted to, their role in the creative agency or just kind of like they're cool how do you like explain that process so i think it's a little bit of both so like i think when you're a double ae everyone who's in a more senior position than you just seems like fucking yoda like you're like wow Mm -hmm. just wowed by that but i think what really set apart the people who i consider my friends and my mentors at that time was their just their general attitudes in in life they were always optimistic positive but then also they were very nurturing and like wanted to teach me and like develop my growth so for me it was from a personal perspective i was like wowed by who they were as people right i also was wowed by the level of seniority they were too so it's 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 kind of like a two punch i think so like why i think i was so impressed and enamored by them but I think like you can be impressed by the position, but I think what takes it further was their personalities and who they were as people that really kind of, it went from being just a mentor relationship to like a true friendship. Nice. Love that. What was the jump like from Chicago to New York? Oof. I didn't think I was going to be in Chicago as long as I was going to be in Chicago. Um, But what had triggered it was a series of events that went through my life in 2016, where there was a a situation that impacted our coworkers during that time. Um, And some who were my own personal friends. And I think seeing that and realizing how short life is, kind of made me realize that I need to do everything I can to enjoy my life and take it the, take it where I want to take it. 
And one of my dreams had always been to go to New York and have a career there. So for me, I was in a really fortunate position where I had been at BBDO for a long time. I think at that point it was about a, maybe like a year and like three or four months. And I started having conversations about, is it possible to transfer over to New York once this project ended? And I started having conversations with not only my um, my managing director, but then also with HR and meeting with also a couple of people who I considered mentors at that time, at that sure. age, um, who were creative leaders and strategic leaders. And they all had the same advice for me. And it was to get out of Chicago and expand your career. This is the time to do it. So for me, I think because of the events and the conversations that were happening, it was a very easy decision for me to move. Um, I was very like dead set on it. Like I knew this was the path that I really wanted to move forward with. There were all all these signs telling me to go, go, go. Um, and I think at that time too, like I was in like what my late mid late twenties. So being from the Midwest, everyone kind of settles down around that, and I was just so restless. So you amped it up. Yeah. I, and like all my friends were at that stage where they were like, we need to settle down. And I was like, well, I love you guys, but I'm, I'm going to go off on an adventure. So it was like right. a time to splinter off almost. Um, I still, I mean, I still see my friends all the time, but it's, it's, a, it's very different, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, my question now is you brought up that you're talking to the internal people uh, at BBDO energy specifically, that's just Chicago agency. Um, so that process, you're like, Hey, I want to go to New York. I, I need, you know, for X, Y, Z reasons, is there a way I can transfer? What was their feedback? Is it possible to do, is it easy to do in an agency to go from different city to city? Cause that's something that we all kind of look up when we're looking up an agency where their offices start in Chicago. Maybe I can go to Austin. Maybe I can go to San Fran. Is that realistic or do you have to switch to a new company? I think, I mean, like, to be quite honest, like, I think I was just in a really lucky situation where roles aligned to when I wanted to move to New York. I think you always, I think you, regardless, if you want to move, you can't lay all of your eggs in one basket. Have those conversations with HR, have those conversations with your team and always be on the lookout for what roles are available in other cities. Yes, HR might do it, but like you should also be looking within your internal um, like career searches, sure. your site, as to what's available to see like what could be transferable. But then also start having those outside conversations with other agencies. Because when I was transferring, I was also talking to a couple of different agencies in New York, one of whom I was... I did receive an offer that was not BBGO, but I ultimately decided to turn it down because it didn't meet the career objectives that I wanted to like have ultimately yeah. Gotcha. So you're very strategic in, in, in your career process, which is impressive and something I aspire uh, to be like. So I appreciate you sharing. So um, I want to kind of get now to RGA. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you made the shift from Chicago to New York, um, mm -hmm. and being from the Chicagoland area, uh, and visiting New York only like two, three times. It is just crazy in New York. It's the next level. Um, I love Chicago. I'm going to stay here as long as I can to never speak ill on it, but New York is something else. Um, just the, I mean, visiting the agencies in New York, it's like, you know, the corporate offices. And on paper, that sounds nice. But when you enter a corporate office, like you're the headquarters of an entire agency network, it's a different game. Mm -hmm. Was that intimidating? I mean, uh, what was that like, you know, entering the big leagues? I mean, you know, sometimes it's the grass is always green around the other side. Sure. Yeah. I've been in a couple of different agencies in New York. I've been about three of them. And I think, you know, some of them I was, you know, the, what you thought was great about it is, was it just merely an illusion? But then there are certain agencies like RGA where it's like, I am 
so impressed by the people that work there and the work that we do. Um, I think it just, I mean, it depends. Some agencies really kind of reflect the, what they're notorious for and what their reputation is, but it comes at a price, whether it's culture or just the level of an ability of growth. But then there are other places where you kind of come with like low expectations and you're completely like surprised by like Mm -hmm. RGA becoming like comeback agency of the year. Like when I first joined, Everyone was like, you're working on Samsung, the the hardest account, like it's going to be challenging. You're not going to be able to, you know, do everything that you want. And like by the end of like my time on Samsung, I was like, holy shit, like look at all the great work that we've been able to produce and do not only for the clients, but then also for the agency. So it's like sometimes like I knew for RGA, I was like, I'm going to be coming onto a challenging account. But like what took me away was the the brilliance of the team, the endurance and like just the ever, ever united desire to push the work into a place that like we all want it to be and be happy about, which is very, very different from another agency that I worked at, which was very, very renowned, had a lot of awards, but like Mm -hmm. coming to it, you know, they didn't, the glitz and the glamour was not, necessarily reflected internally and within the culture well i'm sure there's no shortage of talent when you go to these agencies that mm-hmm. are larger um it, it must be nice to work with people like you kind of you kind of alluded to it earlier that are intelligent that um are equally represented i'm sure at mm-hmm. like these at these renowned agencies i mean walking in rga is something special um and it must be it must be nice. You know, is it something that the large agency experience that you plan to stick in for a while? I I mean, personally for me, I love mid to large agencies Mm -hmm. and that selfishly because like, I just love to meet people. When I worked at a small agency of like 50, like it was like about 50 when it was like biggest, about 30 when it was smallest. Sure. I was also the only non-white person at that agency and then when i'm at a place like that you are not necessarily confronted with a lot of diverse opinions and point of views and i think that's what made it not interesting for me but the thing about why i love some of the larger agencies i've been at some you know like chicago's bbdo agency Mm -hmm. um and rga is that there are a lot of different people there's like over usually over 100 people there was like 200 people at um the Chicago office at BBDO. And then like, I think RGA, like we're somewhere in the thousands. Um, there's so many people with so many different perspectives in all sorts of different walks of life. And for me, like that is what makes it interesting being able to talk to and work with a do- lot of different people and diverse opinions and pull them in pretend like, you know, depending on the, the brief and the objectives of the project. Mm-hmm. I love having that and also having the ability to have, really strong leads in their respective disciplines in smaller agencies you kind of have to be um you know you have to switch hats all the time you play a lot of different roles but i think what i love now that i'm a little bit more senior is that i i can flex if i wanted to into a lot of these other disciplines and help kind of provide another pov but then there's also the ability of pulling someone who is the master of their field so I think those two things, I I find myself probably being a big agency player for the rest of my career. Nice. That's a good little soundbite. That's awesome. Because a lot of people, um, a lot of people plan to settle down, maybe go client side eventually. So it's yeah. interesting. And, and it's also rejuvenating to hear the, your confidence in the agency experience, not only today, but in general. Um, people get kind of burnt out of it and hearing that, you know, you want to stick with it long-term is motivating for us students that aspire to be in that agency experience. Yeah. And I think that the key thing from burnout is you need to take a look at, at where the burnout is coming from. Is it the, is it because you have been working on this category or that business for too long and you need a, a reprieve, you need something different. Um, 
Is it the team that you're on? Like, have you just been working with all these personalities for so long that you've just kind of become like too comfortable? What is, what is causing the burnout and then shift it? For me, I think that's been incredibly helpful. And I think that's why the last couple of years, like I've also like agency hopped, but then within agencies, I've hopped from different businesses because it's always, you don't want to burn out and you want to be, you know, on your toes looking for like new challenges and exercising your brain. Absolutely. And you, you find that, does it take a certain amount of confidence to speak up and say, hey, I'm getting tired of this <laughs> or yeah. hey I, I i need a new i need a new new role here is that hard to do or is it just come naturally for you i mean i think everyone finds it challenging it's hard to admit when you you've had enough because sometimes it feels like you're giving up and it's not necessarily giving up i think it's being very smart and being reflective and doing what's best for you and your mental health so yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard conversation to broach. And like, I, I've been in situations where I have felt it from someone and had to sit, set them down and be like, listen, this is your chance to tell me like, what is truly going on um, and how you right. want to like move forward because I can help you, whatever it is. Right. And I like, you know, it could be shifting to a different business. And sometimes I've, I've met, you know, people who like, were like, this isn't for me. Like I wanted to move in a different discipline and it's, mm -hmm. you should never be afraid to have those discussions, but like fear and nervousness is a hundred percent normal. Yeah. And it, good of you to recognize that and, and bring it up as a, a leader, a leadership role. I'm sure that probably that person definitely appreciated it, that honest and genuine conversation. You need to have those um, from either the, you know, the management perspective or from that entry level uh, perspective. It's important to be honest. Yeah. Because then it helps because then it helps not only yourself, but, you know, it helps the, the overall agency. If you're being honest with yourself, um, the work will be better if you're happier or less stressed. So yeah. appreciate you sharing that. Um I want to basically recap RGA is a large uh, ad agency, but more so, I guess you guys kind of focus more on business transformation. I don't really know what that means, um, but I'm assuming, I don't know. You tell me, what, is, what does it mean to have, you know, specialize in business transformation? I mean, I think business transformation can be taken in a lot of different ways, which I think is reflected into the work that we've done. Business transformation to me could be internal, it could be external, it could be from a marketing perspective, it could be from like product perspective. Well, um, RGA is really, really good at systems and stories. So like we, we can help you create systems, uh, internal products, but we can also create stories. So like stories are like what we deem as like traditional advertising campaigns, marketing campaigns. Sure. So I, I think business transformation, it's a very, very broad encompassing uh, macro level platform as to what all the different things we can do as a company. It's more than just creating, you know, a TV ad. It's more than a social campaign it is more encompassing of like the full ecosystem as to how we take in um content and how you know businesses operate mm -hmm. so it's such a cool culture and um you know place to be so that will be my end of uh hyping up rga i don't think it needs any more um hype to it i think people know students love it um it's one of those agencies that we want to be a part. Um, but what I do want to talk about is account management advice um, mm -hmm. for students. Today is not the easiest time to break into the industry, but, you know, tell us about um, what are those skills or characteristics necessary uh, that you can either were born, you either were born with, or you can adopt to be successful in account management and account and that client side of things. Oh man, to be born with. I mean, okay, I'm going to be straight up with you. Client service in general is not something I think that people are born with. You grow into and you learn. Mm -hmm. My AM at RGA, she was, I think part of her frustration was like, how, how do I become like you? And I'm like, girl, 
I have 10 years of experience. I have 10 years of seeing, you know, how situations played out, conversations with the client. And because I've had this like huge knowledge, I'm able to make quick decisions, have those conversations. I'm like, you just being in the room and being able to be part of this, that is going to go back into like your encyclopedia of knowledge and help you grow. Nice. And so then are the expectations a little bit lower, like on your end for those new people or how does that work? So for me, when I, when I interview people, I look for drive and willingness and personality more than anything else. I've had, I mean, like, to be quite honest, you get resumes from like, you know, Ivy League universities. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's great that you have a very, you know, super cool college degree, but who are you as a person? Like, I don't want to, I don't care where you went to school. You could have gone from to a community college, but if you have the drive, the interest, the, the willingness to like learn that is what sets people apart because we're all, you got, we all come into the field as juniors knowing very, very little and having a very idealized version of what this industry is. And it's like, that's fine. Like, but what really matters is like, are you willing to do the work mm-hmm. to get to where I am, where others are? That I think that's the key thing. And it's crazy to me that advertising, when you get in that first job, people know that you you don't have much experience. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty much you're gonna learn. You learn way more probably in your first year of your career than the four years of college. Hate to say it, mm-hmm. but it's true. Yeah. What so what the hell can we do? as students to replicate that client interaction or just those basic communication skills that are necessary. What can we do? We're we're not going to get close to the agency experience, but what are the things you wish you would have studied up on as a student to get you farther along earlier on? So I think this is what has helped me. I worked in a service industry before this. I worked in retail for about six to eight years. That I think customer service and being on that very kind of tough position of retail or, you know, even the food industry is definitely incredibly helpful Um, because you learn how to like service people. You learn how to have conversations with them. You, you interact with, you know, hundreds of people in a day. And I think you have to have that kind of energy and patience to be talking to various types of people in the industry world as well. So for me, I think that experience definitely helped me in my career. You also learn how to be more empathetic to people and people in you know service industries because of that. Nice. Um, so for me, that was super helpful. I think the second thing that I would, I feel like is something that everyone needs to take into consideration is how do you explore kind of a, creative passion point and like creative passion point doesn't necessarily have to be something like drawing or art but like what is it that keeps your creative the creative part of your brain alive and active so it could be anything from like I don't know like interior design podcasting editing YouTube videos I don't know whatever that is but keeping that part active I think is a hugely important asset in your career because I think people get flack on like client service get shat on all the time because they're like, Oh, they're not creative. They're so business oriented. That's not necessarily true. Some of the greatest client service people that I know have some kind of like side hustle side project that really kind of digs into their create like creative parts of their brain. And I think they also have good relationships with their creative teams and help produce great work as a result. So I would think like those are probably the two skill sets that I would do during this time especially like try to find a creative project a passion point and you know not everyone has the ability to do that because of like financial situations so like take the job like take a customer service job to get your foot in the door like get your feet wet as to like how kind of client service can be in like the most i guess uh, basic form love it love it um in as few words as possible and try to make it sound as boring as possible. You've probably seen this on Twitter. 
um, try to explain the most exciting part of your job in the most mundane way. Um, yeah, that's hard. Um, I think what people find exciting is probably different person to person. For me, it's sitting on set and seeing everything come to life and being truly behind the scenes to kind of see your work slowly be put together. Perfect. Well done. Um, and what would you say is the you know, the most boring part of your job? Because we, you know, we talk about all the great things in, in advertising and account management, but there's got to be some boring parts. So oh uh, enlighten us. <laughs> what are some of your not so favorite activities? Like meeting notes. But those are important. I would really think it doesn't matter how senior you are, you need to know how to recap meetings and like jot down notes. It's the most annoying part of the job, but like if you don't know how to do it, you know, at the get go of your career, you will not be able to digest meetings the way that you want them to. Nice. When you're far, farther along. That's that's something that, you know, being a student, you probably you probably take notes all the time, but how efficient are your notes? And then if you're doing group, if you're in projects, you should be, you should be able to maybe take some meeting notes uh, or those minutes, whatever you want to call it, and then recap it. That's something we can practice, right? Yes, definitely. Awesome. So um, what are some resources that you follow uh, daily that you recommend that students should check, should check out? We know ad week, we know ad age, but is there anything else that you may, you know, it doesn't even have to be advertising related that you follow? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I had mentioned this when we had chatted back in November. For me, I think part of our job is being aware of culture. You want to be culturally relevant and you want to be part, whatever your project is, you want it to basically naturally fit into what's happening in culture right now. So right now for me, like I, I think you should follow whatever passion points you may have. So whether if it's like a leader in the fashion industry, like follow those people, know what's going on in that like niche. I also think it's really, really relevant, especially now and the next coming months, there's going to be a lot of different, um, more politically active campaigns, like, you know, encourage people to vote. I think that's really, really important. So like you should be aware of what's happening in your neighborhood, in your city, in your state, and nationally. So like read, like, um, I'm just trying to think of like, you read different publications. Like I know, for example, I follow Next Shark, which is a very specific um, Asian news outlet that talks about, you know, various things that are happening on, not only within the US, but globally, that has a huge impact on the Asian community. And being What's aware that called? Next Shark, Okay, cool. Um, following things as to, you know, what's happening in Seattle, like what's, you know, following black voices and like listening, learning, uplifting them, supporting them. I think things like that are very critical in for us to become well-rounded, not only in terms of like what's happening in culture, but as a human being. Yes, yes. I think uh, when you first mentioned that you appreciated the, the cross section between business and creativity, that business strategy side about advertising. One thing that I, it's crazy. You said that I, I always mentioned that in my first couple in my interviews when I first got into it, but now I incorporate it's business, it's creativity, and now it's culture and it always yeah. has been, but now it's even more important. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, so what I'll have you do then is we'll, we'll combine a list of some of those resources and we'll plug that in the description and in our Instagram. Um, I guess the last question I have now is, you know, what's something, I mean, this is unprecedented times, as you know, and we hear it all the time, but students are struggling to find jobs. What's something they can do to get them one step closer to getting hired in this crazy time? Yeah. I mean, let's be real. These are, the unemployment rate is outrageous right now. Mm -hmm. This is 
just, you know, depression era, era, like state of economics and, you know, employment rates. Don't be pressured to find a job. Like we are in a state of a world where we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months. And I think like the best thing you can do is focus on yourself, focus on your mental health and what your definition of personal growth is. Yes. Like, you know, I understand the desire and want to like be able to land a job immediately. I mean, that's, I think that's something that's imposed to us as like a culture, but I think because of what's happening right now, like take this time, if you have the luxury to do so, to think about how you can grow personally. So develop like personal skills that you've always wanted to like, you know, pursue because at the end of the day, those things can somehow be linked to like what you want to do as a career whatever you learn whatever you pursue there could be nuggets in there that like you've learned from that are interesting and valuable and are going to be applicable to whatever you do in life yeah yeah especially in in advertising that culture Mm -hmm. aspect that your interests are definitely important if you use a similar client they're going to want to hear your voice so awesome i appreciate you sharing and the best way to reach out is your LinkedIn. Is that is that correct? So I'm really bad at LinkedIn. Okay. Um, you can always try to hit me up through there, but you can also email me. Okay. Which is the best way. Okay. Then we will put your email and students, uh, recent grads, if you want to connect, Stephanie Kim. Perfect. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and we will talk soon, I bet. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm sorry if I rambled a lot. (laughs) You are all good. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Podcast. This episode was phenomenal with Stephanie Kim, a management supervisor for RGA Ad Age's Comeback Agency of the Year. I have to do a couple shout outs as usual. Uh, one for Mikey Malarkey, audio technician, uh, Buchan Zhang, our graphic designer, and our new friend, Audrey Nussbaum, who is our strategist who helps us make this uh, podcast amazing. Next week, I'm not sure who we have, but it will be a surprise. So. Looking forward to that. Have a good one.